0: Hi, I'm Tony Cowan-Brown.
1: And I'm Benedict Evans.
0: Tell me, what are we are not talking about? Let's kick off with what we're not talking about today.
1: Well, we're not talking about, about SVB um, because the time limit on that passed <laughs> at 12 o'clock Eastern Time uh, and <laughs> people have got spectacularly upset about it. But in the end, this is actually a kind of a banking industry and a banking regulation story. And I'm not actually going to spend time talking about Dodd-Frank or regulatory stress tests. Um, and I'm also not going to talk in all capitals. Um, and we're also... On a more interesting topic, not going to talk about GPT-4, which was released today, just on the basis that um, I think certainly I would like to spend a bit more time actually looking and thinking and and evolving, um, poking at it a bit more before I come up with something rather than just firing off an opinion straight away.
0: That feels correct. And it's just for those of you wondering, it's March 14th um, today when we're recording this. And those 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 two topics feel... I'm excited to go into ChatGPT4. It it's been interesting watching the tweets come in, but to your point, so much mm-hmm. more fun to actually dive into it. So with that said, we thought it was maybe about time to talk a little bit more about TikTok, which we haven't done in a while, especially because mm-hmm. I think right now social media seems to be having an identity crisis. There's a lot happening in this space. We're having more and more discussions and questions about data storage, location, retention, even use of data, even that's the topic that we always laugh about, but worth mentioning. It also seems like there's some interesting conversations about the algorithms and how they work and specifically on TikTok, how it works and what harm it can cause. And there's an interesting topic conversation there to have. And then I also think there's an interesting topic about in TikTok's case, does it matter that this is an app? that was not built by Americans with Americans in mind. I think there's a bit of a conversation Mm -hmm. there worth having. And yet it seems to be outperforming a lot of the social media platforms owned by US companies, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. So we were looking into this and we came out out with three big threads worth having a conversation around. Privacy and all the recent bans that are happening both in the US and in Europe. Let's chat a little bit about the algorithm. And also, I think there's a big, important and really interesting question right now is are we looking at TikTok as... A new social media platform or is this tv and entertainment so should Mm. we dive in first with the privacy piece what's been happening recently
1: well so there's a sort of sort of primary point here which is it looks like um you know hundreds of millions of people and certainly a couple of hundred million people in america use tiktok and so here is this thing on your phone together with your corporate email, your personal email, your government email, your location, your photos, all this other stuff. What does that mean? What does this mean for your privacy? What does this mean? And and, and maybe to go back a step before that, um, just as like a, a primal framing point, any company in China is obliged to do whatever the Chinese government wants them to do yes and so arguing about like who owns it and what's the ownership structure and what's the shareholding is, is kind of pointless i mean this was the argument about huawei like does the chinese army secretly have a controlling share in it it's a chinese company like it doesn't make any difference you don't do what the government says you disappear and two years later you appear in a courtroom so in principle any company that is based in china where sort of important decisions can be made here in china is de facto under control of the mm. chinese government and so that gets you to two sort of basic concerns for TikTok. One of them is this phone sings on your phone. What can it see? And and this is what people are sort of mostly focused on so far, which I think particularly on iOS is slightly misguided in that, you know, the phone, an app can't run in the background and see everything you do. TikTok can't read your email. Like on iOS, it cannot. It just can't. A third-party app cannot see your email. It's sitting in a sandbox. It, That's the you may system have given working. Yeah. Yeah, that's how the system works. Now you may be inmate. You may have given it access to your camera. Your camera roll, theoretically, if there's lots of pictures of you doing stuff, you shouldn't. Theoretically, the Chinese government could find those. Yeah, I mean, is that is that a realistic question? Maybe. Um, more interesting to me is this thing about location. Like every now and then, um, this is particularly thing with running apps. That like you've got a running app that's got a social service, so you can share your runs, and then somebody finds oh. Look, here are all these people doing runs on what looks like a circuit of an airfield mm. somewhere in Ukraine, where there aren't supposed to be any Americans. Um, and so that's come up a couple of times. And so yes, if it has your location, then that's then that's then that's an issue. Um, but in principle, like like its access to user information is controlled by the permissions on the phone, and so I'm sort of slightly less concerned i mean yes i suppose you could find like there's actually a story i put in my newsletter this week of a a catholic group american catholic activist group that bought a bunch of of data that sort of semi-proximately allows them to tell that this person is using to map gay dating apps against people who spend lots of time in church and think that they can kind of de-anonymize it to get to who are priests who are using gay dating apps which under gdpr of course would be very illegal just kind of a we make fun of GDPR, but that is a case where it's sort of working. So yes, there's sort of ways in which, like this, this is there are privacy questions here. But I think one can kind of slightly overstate them. The thing that I think is is, is much more interesting is is the control of what people see. Is that if instead of talking about this as a social network, think about this as YouTube, and think about the algorithm that decides yes, you've told it you like to look at like videos of girls in bikinis. Okay, maybe we can blackmail you. Now, much more interesting is they're deciding what somebody is deciding that that video is not going to go viral here is a video about chinese policy to in tibet well that video isn't going viral is it what happens
0: and you you see it, it be, it's been really interesting to watch how users who want to talk about these topics on tiktok are skirting this by creating new words that's not being picked mm. up or making sure in the captions that word is being reused. It's just it, it's fascinating to see how our habits or how we are very quickly adapted. And I think as an mm. initial user, you look at this and go, why is she replacing X word with this word that sounds the same, but obviously isn't that. Mm. And you realize, well, if people are starting to do this, there's there's obviously a reason why.
1: Well, there's a huge thing for this in China. People kind of come up with phrases to circumvent um keyword censorship and of course very quickly the censors catch up to it and so it never lasts never never lasts for very long um and this has actually been not to go off down a tangent but this has been an issue in um how china thinks about um generative machine learning which is you can't you know you cannot deterministically control what it says so you can kind of put crude keyword filters on parallel yeah you can count you can put kind of crude, crude keyword filters sort of on top but you can't guarantee that it's not going to you talk about some stuff that you don't want it to talk about i mean you can try but like and you can put filters on the inputs and filters on the output but you, you know you, you don't have a kind of deterministic control of what it's going to do um so i think there was a, a tweet going around the other day that said you know china chat gpt can't even count um count to 100 because 89 is a bad term like you actually can't say 80, apparently you actually can't say 89 and like during the during the congress for for the for the, for the premier to get a third, an unprecedented third term, you couldn't say third on Weibo. Like you actually couldn't say third on Chinese social networks. Oh, interesting. Now this is uh, this is of course third hand. Like I don't know, I don't know. I mean, this is you a problem with talking about that, China. But, yeah. Like I don't know. But this is an assertion. Um, about filtering. Now back back to TikTok. Um, you know there is where we are now and where we might be in the future. And you know that. Chinese government. What happens when the Chinese government goes to ByteDance and says these are these are topics that we want to trend and these are topics that we don't want to trend? Um, what does that mean? In the sense that like, you wouldn't allow the Chinese company to buy Time Warner or water, to buy Warner Discovery. You wouldn't buy, allow a Chinese company to buy Netflix. Not because of privacy, not because you're afraid the Netflix app is going to spy on you, but because you don't want Chinese government to control a TV station or in the past a newspaper or indeed an airline. Um, this is why Rupert Murdoch had to get an American citizenship so that he could buy Fox. And so to me, that's, I think, a much more kind of interesting question, um, is that control of the algorithm.
0: Is there a conversation also, because you brought up Huawei a couple of minutes ago, and mm. it feels like there's a difference between a ban on equipment and that kind of technology and potentially banning, which is the conversation that's happening right now, potentially banning an app which allows and this is very American, obviously, but allows for that freedom of expression on certain apps. And is that and the ACLU came Mm. out with the whole thing of this is actually really dangerous, this is going to set a precedent. Is this the right way to, to think about it that banning an app like this is actually setting a precedent? about banning freedom of expression because I, like for example, I got most of my updates about what's happening in Iran right now from TikTok quickly and though I hate to admit it, they would, that's where I was seeing the Mm. information where it was first being reported when traditional newspapers weren't reporting it or not taking it seriously. Mm. And I was getting this from firsthand. Again, I couldn't couldn't Mm. guarantee that the person telling me this was knowledgeable. I, it looked like they were from, you know, talking directly from the city. It looked like they had firsthand experience. But it was an incredible moment of, oh, I am getting this directly from the source. And if I hadn't have gotten this information from TikTok, I would have probably been oblivious for another
1: two weeks. So I think there's there's several sort of things to unpack here. I mean, one of them is that um, it's somehow I think it's conceptually a bit easier to do privacy rules. Than to do algorithmic yes. recommendation rules. I mean, it's kind of in a very mechanistic kind of way. You can say, well, you can't have access to the address book unless some, unless you ask and press OK, and that's how iOS works. You, the app cannot get the address book.
0: It's more black and white.
1: The app, the an app on iOS cannot get the address book unless it asks the iOS, the, and you, the user gets a prompt. And if the prompt says no, then that app just can't get it. The operating system blocks it. It's much less um, straightforward to think about um, how does a recommendation algorithm work. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, you know, never mind the kind of questions of interference, you know, there's 300 parameters. I mean, is the, these are the issues that, that, kind of Facebook faces. And, you know, they're kind of continually fiddling with it and tweaking it and shifting the weights, but it's not like an easy, straightforward kind of deterministic thing to decide. Um, even if you're not consciously going in and saying, and yes, I want that to not trend and I want this to trend. Um, I want more of this. I want more of that. So it's like, it's not a, an easy deterministic sort of, sort of, sort of thing. I think there's there's a sort of a second part of this though, which is um I mean I have a huge amount of sympathy for the free speech thing. Like, you know, would you would you allow the new would you allow the Chinese government to buy CNB, to buy NBC in like 1985 or 1990 or something? No. That's not a free speech, but that's not really a free speech question. Um or if it is, it's a free speech question that that that, that we're willing to accept. To me, the other side of this has always been um the sort of the one at a time nature of this, which again back you gets you back to privacy. It's quite easy to say, well, you'll just have privacy rules and apply them to everyone the app can't have location unless it asks for it you can just have that as a standard rule for everybody um you can ban TikTok. what happens if there's another one what happens if there's five more of them now are you going to just gonna are you going to kind of one at a time maybe you can maybe there is only two or three at any given time and you kind of can but you can also say um you know somebody pointed out a couple of a week or two ago that like four of the top five free apps on the iOS app store were Chinese. And so it's TikTok, but it's also Shein and Temu and CapCut from memory. And so, okay, TikTok has got recommend this recommendation algorithm question. CapCut obviously doesn't. There's no content question there. It's just an app on your phone. But again, if you're worried about an app on your phone being Chinese and you don't agree with me on the point about the privacy protections inherent in the operating system, well then CapCut raises exactly the same question as she and so does Tamara to all the others. So what are you going to do? Ban, short, ban all Chinese apps? Does that seem like a good idea?
0: No. And talking of CatCup, it's interesting, that was the one that I was telling you about the other day. That's the 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 tool that I use to edit all my videos. And it started prompting me with, based on all the videos that you've uploaded into the software, here's a title that you should do, is here's the script, and off yep. you go, go and record it.
1: There is, are you worried about privacy or are you worried about the recommendation algorithm? Which of the, and, and which of those problems are you going to... Of course, you can be worried about both, but those are problems with different answers. Are you worried about TikTok or are you worried about Chinese apps? Because if you're worried about a Chinese app that could have access to device on the phone, then you either just ban all Chinese apps or you try for a systemic, scalable solution across, like, well, you have privacy laws, you have the rules that all apps have to follow, you have rules that all companies have to follow. That's kind of a scalable solution. If you're worried about the recommendation algorithm, then you don't care about Temu or CapCut. But you still, you care much more about TikTok and it's less obvious what the solution to that would be.
0: And it's interesting because it comes, the fact that we're having this conversation right now, the fact that in America, this conversation about free speech keeps coming up. There's an irony to it, which is, by the way, the Europeans have been forced, forced and putting in inverted commas here, to use tools that were built by Americans for Americans Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, for 20 years. And we've been highlighting the same things about data privacy and all of that stuff. But that was never became a such such of an issue. And people will argue, well, mm. the US government is not the same as the Chinese government. Yes, for sure. But it's also interesting, this this idea about that the involvement of government, which is coming in, obviously, because this is a Chinese app. But there is there, there's some irony here that I've always said mm. I'm deeply uncomfortable. Also, with tech CEOs making decisions about, you know, What should be banned and not should be banned, and what we can see and not.
1: Yeah, and tech tech CEOs, CEOs themselves are very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable with that. Don't 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 want to make that decision. Pulling that apart again. Part of this is that the internet sort of started in America. and, you know, although the web was invented at CERN, you know, the consumer Internet has always basically come, been driven out of the U.S. And in particular, you know, the tech industry has evolved, sort of evolved over time to be centered in Silicon Valley and used to be in Boston as well. Now it's in Silicon Valley. So the kind of the default culture of the Internet was the way that people in Silicon Valley thought about free speech and thought about all of this stuff. And so, I mean, you have all these stories of like Americans not understanding why you can't ask you in America, in Europe, in France, you're not allowed to ask somebody if they're Jewish. Like, do you want to, why yeah why is that oh
0: yeah World War II is a pretty big thing in most of European countries that you have to wrap your head around yeah
1: so there's that point that like the default culture and of course that default culture was a culture of free speech it was a culture of you know this particularly American culture that um you know America is definitely sort yeah. of one towards one end of the of the of the spectrum on attitudes and what kinds of speech should be allowable um and so that was kind of the default view of the internet. And now the internet is not default American. Um, you know, one of the charts in in my presentation is that like a quarter of of global internet traffic is um Europe, USA, Japan, South Korea combined. And then another quarter is India and a quarter is China and a quarter is everything else. So like whereas 10 years ago it was like 90% Europe, North America, um, Europe and North America and, and Japan. And so like the default presumption that, well of course all the, like the US attitudes drive all of this is gone. And you might think the US attitudes are right. It doesn't matter. But that doesn't matter. Like that, most people in America, on the most people in the, on the internet and not American, don't have their own opinions about how these laws should work. And so that's sort of one, what sort of sort of strategy this is that, you know, Europeans have 25 years had to deal with this thing that your kids are using something made in another country and the CEO doesn't want to come to your parliament and talk about it and um, you can't get them on the phone and just shout, shout at them. And, you know, they're not part of your media culture and you're not all at the same dinner parties um but then there's a whole other point which is yes not only is it not from our country it's from china which raises in the last the shift that the nature of china in the last five years raises or 10 years raises all sorts of other questions about where you give that control um so i suppose i do not sort of pre- prejudge anything you're going to say but i just kind of wanted to shift gear and talk about you know set, set the regulatory points aside just kind of talk about TikTok itself because it struck me, I mean, there was an observation for a long time that Pinterest was sort of like invisible in Silicon Valley because basically like 80 or 90% of the user base. It, it's in New York. Is it New York? I think it's in New York. The yeah, women. 90% of the users are women. And so like, and and it's all about visual collections and stuff. And so if you're like a 25 year old software engineer in Silicon Valley, you're a man and you're not interested in any other stuff that people use Pinterest for anyway. Um, and so like no you kind of, it was kind of invisible as a social network. Um, and I wouldn't go so far as to say that about tiktok but there is certainly this kind of sense of like everyone uses youtube and everyone sort of knows that tiktok is this big thing but the sort of tech conversation in general doesn't talk about what's happening on tiktok i don't think in the way that it talks about instagram or youtube or twitter and that's a very fuzzy fuzzy statement, but that's certainly my impression.
0: It's a fuzzy statement, but it's a very important worthwhile statement because I think it's something that we see time and time again, that when this is, whether it's a topic, whether it's uh, uh, an object, whether it's a social platform that seems to be primarily and dominated and used by a younger female demographic, it is kind of ignored. Mm. And that is a trend that happens. I, the number of arguments I have gotten in with traditional journalists in their early 50s writing about formula one and completely ignoring the whole topics that are happening on tiktok and having to say actually this is factually wrong if you look here there's a whole demographic talking and they go no no but that's not relevant i'm like what do you mean it's not relevant not it's simply because you're not using it and you're not there doesn't mean that it's relevant so i i Mm. actually think yes it's a fuzzy way of describing but it's a very real topic and any and you know of young women mm. having their the topics that they talk about co-opted and look they're going to they're going to catch up and they're going to play catch up and in f- three or four years we're going to have these same i think 25 26 year old men in in the tech industry actually wake up to TikTok and it's already happened um a little bit this year i think we're seeing the the number of male journalists, even in like the Formula One space, who've joined TikTok Mm. in the last three months has been fascinating to watch. I'm like, oh, okay, now we're going to have a conversation about TikTok and the rise of TikTok and what Mm. it's doing for the sports entertainment industry. But what I found really interesting is listening to some TikTok executives actually openly describe TikTok not as a social media platform, but as an entertainment. And so to your point, it becomes really interesting. Is TikTok, Mm. are we spending more time on TikTok than Netflix and YouTube? And is, you know, do we want this as a social yeah. platform or is this the, the, a new wave of entertainment, especially as TikTok now is allowing for 10 minute videos?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think there's a sort of um, it's almost like an incorrect analysis, which was well, I'm trying to think of the right word. which is like we kind of went down the line of thinking that TikTok competed with Instagram and Facebook, as opposed to thinking that it competes with YouTube. And obviously, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube all compete for time. Yes, but TikTok, but, but Facebook it makes a real, makes a TikTok competitor and bolts it into TikTok and bolts it into Instagram. And I kind of look at this and, you know, I'm obviously I'm completely the wrong kind of demographic, but I kind of look at this and I think, but wait, so when you add stories, stories are a new primitive, a new building block that you share with your existing network. But the whole point of TikTok is that this is not, these aren't your friends. And obviously um, Instagram, again, has kind of two graphs. They have an interest graph, like you follow brands and you know design, whatever it is you're interested in. So you, you follow Formula One accounts or you follow architectural accounts, but then you also follow your friends. Whereas Reels, do, you, do people follow their friends on TikTok? Or are you basically following accounts that, oh, it's like YouTube, or is it, much, I mean, my impression is it's much more YouTube, that it's, um, it's people you don't know. And the whole point of the algorithm is that this is surfacing stuff from people you don't know And so it's an interest graph, not a friend graph, which which is YouTube, not more than Instagram.
0: Which is YouTube, not Instagram. It's not updates to your friend, which I've seen also is that the audience on Instagram for me is growing, but it's coming directly from TikTok of people. It's like the the voyeurism. How do you say that in English? How do you pronounce that in English? Voyeurism voyeurism there you go that's how you pronounce it um it's like that voyeurism of i want to know more about that person so i'm going to go on instagram because that's probably where they're updating more personal stuff so my my has shifted from instagram being for my friends to actually instagram being more of a public thing but that is only a direct result of tiktok well
1: so i only so i only use instagram for interest which is why i don't which is why i don't volley so i don't use it for friends
0: but someone said something the other day which i thought was so incredibly true is i don't Check TikTok. I consume it and I watch it. I I don't check TikTok the way you would check Instagram mm. or Twitter, where you open up the app, you have a look, you check if anything's changed, and then you leave. Whereas I think what's happening on TikTok is so true. You you open it up not to check mm. a status update or what someone has. You you sit down. You dip into the river. Yeah, to consume it, and you sit there and spend hundred minutes a day just consuming it.
1: It's it's fascinating to me. I mean, I don't really use TikTok. Um, I I, I explore it, but like. I mean, I opened it yesterday, and I thought I'll swipe them. You know, ninety minutes later, I haven't actually watched anything or done anything. Um, I said, maybe this is what it's like using Tinder. You know, you just it. <laughs> tinder. Actually, there's an out. There's hopefully there's an outcome. Um, but but yeah, it has it has this different mechanic. But there's there's that sense of um, and of course, then it creates new content forms. That's it. I mean, this is the you know this is the Mr Beast and the the what's his name Marquez something I forget his name uh, Marquez Brownley. Marquez Brandley, yeah, yeah. Um, which is that the end point is not to get a TV show. The end point is this, and and certainly Mr. Beast has sort of explored TikTok and puts them in different places. But you know, there's different formats, and, and they kind of they create different forms and different kinds of behavior. Um, I mean, I years ago, I remember hearing someone Nick, I think it was Nick Bell from um, who was then it was a Snapchat saying that you know the advertisers would give them a portrait format, a landscape format video, and then complain it hadn't performed.
0: Yeah, you're not building for the app.
1: Just kind of yeah, it's kind of the same point, which is that snap before TikTok, but it's the same thing. It's like it's not just a YouTube video, but but portrait.
0: The piece there, but and I think it was Marquez Brownlee that very openly said this, and I think he was saying it on on an interview about Emma Chamberlain about how you know yes, Emma Chamberlain right now has stopped you know producing YouTube videos, but and she's known for all of the other things she does, her her coffee. Um, hosting the Met Gala you name it but he was saying but if you look at it and because he was trying to make the point that no I don't believe people use you know or he personally doesn't use YouTube as a stepping stone to get something in the traditional industry, in the traditional space. But he was saying, but if you look at it, where are you consuming the video of Emma Chamberlain at her Louis Vuitton show? Where are you consuming the video of Emma Chamberlain hosting the Met Gala? You're consuming it back on YouTube. And I think that is the bit smaller difference with mm-hmm. TikTok. And I do wonder, I generally don't know if this is going to change, but most people are creating short form content on TikTok. But that doesn't feel like the end goal. It feels like the end goal is then moving to YouTube or moving somewhere else. Whereas I can see more YouTubers being like Marquez Brownlee or Mr Beast are like no this is my end goal mm. this is this is where it should live I'm not sure TikTok has that right now or maybe I'm being too naive and still thinking in you know landscape portrait mode or landscape mode and long-form videos yeah
1: this this would be like a great great like Silicon Valley phrase to somebody who said man you're thinking you said landscape mode <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> come on man like oh, we're with portrait mode generation you're the landscape mode generation no what I what I was thinking was like and again this is a very tentative statement but what you what you I think um, what we've all noticed in the last couple of years is if you google any kind of how to kind of question You'll get a you'll get loads of youtube videos and the youtube videos are mostly you look at it and you think just give me the bloody give me 50 words of text to tell me don't make me watch this five minute video but they're doing it partly because there's a monetization path built in and, and partly because you want to get a subscription and because this is a network in the way that the web is not a network which is a paradoxical thing to say but you know you don't you, you know there's not the web doesn't have a recommendation system, a monetization system, a subscription mm-hmm. mechanism, the RSS is dead. YouTube as a network, there's a subscribe button, there's a monetization system, there's a recommendation algorithm. And so you want to pull people, it's you know there's an incentive to get people to watch your YouTube rather than get people to read your blog post. And um then you've got a subscription then you've got a subscriber and and then people come back to you and i don't get the impression that tiktok has that same mechanic of like i can build a permanent audience there and that it's more that you are more dependent on the river on being thrown up to the river because you know youtube gives you all these thumbnails and you can click which ones you want whereas in tiktok you're the basic mechanic is i and again this is a very tentative kind of assertion but like the basic mechanic is still the flow and so you may or may not be in the flow more or less, but you don't have that same, I built an audience that I own here, which is a very kind of Web3 sort of statement to
0: make. uh, And look, there's a reason why newsletters still do so well, because I truly think that is the only Mm. way you can actually build an audience that you, and again, quote unquote, actually own, because you have their email addresses. Everything else Mm. feels completely ephemeral and feels like you don't own anything. But I think you're right with Uh, YouTube. You definitely feel like you have more of that connection and ownership you brought up something else about searching for topics, um, which brings, there's a there's a, maybe a third addition to the question of, is TikTok social? Is it entertainment or is it search? Because that's been a really interesting mm-hmm. rise recently as well of the number of people who use TikTok, especially in the Gen Z um, demographic, of they go to TikTok for recipes. They go to TikTok to search for things, which again, I'm not quite there mm-hmm. yet, but I thought that was really interesting.
1: Well, clearly both Amazon and YouTube have unbundled Google in that sense that you go to Amazon for product and you go for to, to you go to YouTube for not just for quote unquote video but for, for a lot of other stuff that might previously have been text. Um I was just <laughs> gonna call calling back to the newsletter of course I should point out that my newsletter is now ten years old that I started this yes! in March in March 2013. Um Congrats.
0: that's it's a huge milestone. Yeah
1: um now has sort of getting on for two hundred thousand subscribers and the well two observations. One of them is what I always find is I get more subscribers when I write more on well the the flow is I write something popular on my website it then gets either goes viral on LinkedIn on Twitter to some extent LinkedIn much more now than in the past LinkedIn has become a traffic driver which it wasn't in the past even though I'm not investing any time in it and probably should to some extent maybe some other high traffic blog but that's very quite unusual and Hacker News. If you go viral on Hacker News, then you'll get a, a fire hose of ten or twenty or thirty thousand page views, and so that's the flow. I write something on my website. It is then linked to on Twitter, LinkedIn, Hacker News, somewhere else, and then I, and that gets traffic. That traffic then converts at a couple of percent to newsletter subscribers, and the newsletter itself does not really drive lots of subscribers, which I would you would think people will read That's it, they'll forward it, you'll forward it to someone, those people will sign up as well. That's not really very meaningful. I mean, it ha- it's, it, it's, it's 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 there in the numbers, but, but the thing, but it's not, there isn't a logarithmic curve there. It doesn't grow exponentially. It grows based on how much, tra- how much I write. So I didn't write much last year, it didn't grow much last year. Um, even though the fact that I was sending, you know, 175,000 emails once a week, it didn't grow when I did that, it grew when I wrote. Um, and so that's, that's sort of, and, there's, and sort of stepping back to my kind of more general point is, you know, sort of what I was saying about YouTube as a network, Instagram is a network, and you place yourself in their hands, and in exchange, they give you users. And if you own the network, if you own the list, then, and this is a very Web3-ish sort of conversation, I know Web3 is now desperately unfashionable, it will come back, I think, but there is this tension, like, if you own your network and your subscribers, can that be combined with you being in some system that can get you more subscribers? Because it seems to me that inherently a system that can get you more subscribers is one in which you're dependent on other people's decisions. And you're dependent on them to point the fire hose at you as opposed to somewhere else. And so now you kind of don't own it in quite the same way.
0: You it's interesting you say that because that's the way I've treated my TikTok is it's a funnel to take people elsewhere. And and I'm figuring out where am I taking them? Is this a newsletter? Is Mm. this a YouTube? Is this a Twitch? Whatever that Mm. is. But what's interesting is the videos that do hit a million, 500,000, a couple hundred thousand are the ones that get splashed onto the For You page which then brings me and at that point if I look at my stats and my data 80% of the people 90% of the people who viewed that video are from the For You page and not from my follower count or subscribers which is really interesting. Um, mm. That sort of, that division. But that's the way I've started looking, which is what, which again, I don't know if this is an ar- a bad way of looking at it or an archaic way of looking at it, but I am currently right now treating my TikTok as the funnel to drive people to longer form mm. content for exactly that reason, because I actually want to own that relationship with people, which I know I cannot own on, on TikTok right now. And the other thing that yeah. I've been thinking about, which I believe that's what you've created with your newsletter and your website is you've created a portfolio, an existing portfolio with all of the topics that you're thinking about yeah. your opinion which is sort of
1: mutually and they're sort of mutually reinforcing so there's, exactly. there's a twitter There's Twitter, which has got 300 350,000 subscribers of which probably 10,000 or 20,000 are actually real people probably um, and then there's the um, newsletter that's got 200,000 subscribers and then the website and the website it depends how much I write you know if I write then it gets something you know if I write something popular then it gets anything from sort of 50 000 to 75,000 page impressions um, though that story will um, that piece will um presentation gets more that i do every year um and those all flow into each other um and so but 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 i'm kind of, kind of going going back and kind of repeating myself like a system that gets me traffic can that gives me traffic can also not give me traffic and i don't control that and so if you're on instagram or youtube and they can decide to downrank you then you don't get any traffic and then you get the whole kind of christics and like you don't own it you don't own your audience they can fuck you um they can be evil um but but that's kind of the trade-off you're taking you know it's like because yes i can have a website i can have a website and i own that but but if no one knows it exists how (laughs) does anyone know it exists like at some point somewhere there needs to be some system that's telling people that you exist and a system that tells people you exist can also not tell you people that you exist and so there's a sort of inherent trade-off in that and all of these systems sort of sit in different kind of points on like a multi-dimensional like the Gartner 2x2 quadrant but there's like a mini-dimensional quadrant but like there's email which uh, you get the list you own the list but there's no discovery Substack is trying to build discovery tools around that and some people on Substack say that's working I'm not I'm not some some say it isn't um you can be on Twitter which wants to have an algorithm but doesn't um Instagram does YouTube does TikTok does Instagram, you've got subscribers and that means something. YouTube, I think you've got subscribers and it means something. TikTok, just, what does having subscribers mean? Depends. And in a sense, you've got the, because you're because the, the unit of experience is the river, not, the, not a screen of thumbnails. So these are all like different things around, like, what does it mean to have audience? What does it mean to do a recommendation? What is the algorithm? Which is back to what we were saying at the beginning. This is, that's much more inherent to the product and also much more politically problematic, um, you can decide what people see. That's a much bigger deal than asking for access to an address book, where they can say no. And
0: the other piece that I've discovered as a user, as someone who's creating the content, mm. is when I know that my, if it's a newsletter, if it's a body of work that I'm putting in front of my audience, I know that they come at it with context who I am, what I believe in, my values, and the way I'm approaching a topic. The moment that video is shoved on the For You page, it's reaching a bunch of people who have no idea what my values are, who have no context, who don't know this is a topic that I'm bringing up. And so it's interesting because especially when it's a 60 or 30 second video, I can see yeah. it in the immediate knee-jerk reaction that people have of oh, "you're dumb, this is stupid, this is not correct," and I'm like, "you're not getting it. This is a 30-second video and there's a lot of context." But also, your your mm. default is thinking that I'm inherently bad or mean or ha- awful, and I'm like, eh. "so the contextual yeah. piece is always really interesting to me." When to your point, you get eyeballs, you get views. great context. I mean, this
1: is a, This is this is all. This was That's always it. the problem with Twitter because Twitter was lots of different. Ven, Twitter yes. has lots and lots of Venn diagrams that overlap, overlap and don't overlap. And so something would get retweeted or quote tweeted or screenshotted out of the context of the thread, out of all the people that followed that person and be placed into some other group. And that other group didn't have the context, didn't know who this person was. And so, you know, I'll make a joke about crypto and I'll have our 200 Bitcoin people in my mentions saying, clearly you have no idea what Bitcoin is. Like. Yeah, I'm not like the most Bitcoiny person, but like I was Bitcoin <laughs> I was sitting in Bitcoin pictures at A16Z in 2014. So I kind of do know a little bit about it, but of course you don't get you don't get any of that context. And the same thing when I was at A16Z, you know, if I tweeted about anything that was remotely political, then this would be Benedict Evans, American right-wing libertarian at Silicon Valley Venture Capital Firm. Not real, like not knowing. No, I'm not American. I'm not a libertarian. I'm not particularly right wing, or certainly not by British. I'm not by Amer- American standards. You know, be, be
0: I've also studied history, so I know a little bit about politics and the history of. Yeah. Pod-
1: yeah, and so, you know, I'd make, I'd make a joke about history and I, someone would say, look, this idiot doesn't know anything about history. And I'm like, yeah, I did do a degree in it. I do know some history.
0: Which makes for great content. Let's be, let's be clear. One of my favourite videos was something, someone telling me I'd put a picture up of the European flag. Don't need to describe what the European flag is, most people. And then someone was saying, you're an idiot, that's not the European flag. There's no such thing as the European flag. And I was like, let's go. Because if you think I know something about Formula One, I know a thing or two about European politics. And again, they had no context. But actually the conversation about context
1: and, and, the, and the point is the recommendation flow breaks the context.
0: Completely breaks the context, which actually full circle here. When we ask the question, is TikTok social or is it entertainment or is it something different? That conversation about context tells me actually it has to be more social than people might think it is or because we don't have that same problem with Netflix.
1: Yeah, but Netflix, well, Netflix is, is, again, the context, again, is very different because it's, you get a whole half hour slot. So I mean, Twitter. This is a comment about Twitter. Twitter has no. Twitter historically had no sub clauses. You know, you had to compress everything into this hundred and sixty characters, and then whatever it is now, two hundred and twenty now. <laughs> what, now it feels no, like it's a thousand characters. I don't. Now, no, now there's no limit. If you've got Twitter blue, you can write as much as you like. Um, but 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 the point is, you would you know the kind of the, the, the kind of golden age of Twitter, you had hundred and sixty characters, and you had no context, and so you could kind of say like you. And so you would, you know, kind of the parody of it would be that, like, you would write something and you didn't have room to say, um, of course, I'm not advocating um, that, like, we send children up coal mines or down coal mines. And then but because you hadn't actually written that, people would say, Oh, you're saying we should send children down the mines." line. So it's like, no, I, I just only had 160 characters, there so awesome wasn't room. That's the paradox of the
0: 30-second TikTok video, is in the same mm-hmm. video I'll have people go, Oh, come on, love, just get to the point. You didn't need to say all of that. I'm like, it's 30 seconds, okay. And in the same video I'll have someone say, Yeah, but actually there's an exception here and you miss the context here. I'm like, again, it's a 30 fucking second video. There's a lot missing in what I'm about to say here.
1: Well, Elo is saying this the other day, is was, was, was talking about, about SVB on Twitter. I've got like a hundred people saying, you're an idiot, nobody's saying that. And so so I'll say like, it's a weird that people seem to think X. And I've got 50 people replying saying, nobody thinks that. And another 50 people saying, how could anybody possibly not think that?
0: And in of this course, that's age, true. that's polarizing content, which is crazy because there's nothing, po- yeah. Um, but is there anything else to add? Um, I, I still don't have, but, Wait, actually, let me ask you this. Do you see TikTok then as social entertainment, something different?
1: Oh, well, so I did a thing in the um, part of one of the big themes of, of my presentation was like blowing, blowing definitions. So, you know, are Amazon ads advertising or marketing or or rent or price discrimination? It's like, yes. Yes, to all of um, those. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, is, and, 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 and talking about TV, um, you know, I, I think netflix is a tv company not a tech company because all the questions are tv questions they go to la and they buy yeah. they buy la stuff from la people it's a tv company um as opposed to youtube which has created a network to get people to create content which is a silicon valley kind of a conversation um but has equivalent viewing has almost exactly the same viewing in the us as, as youtube and then TikTok even more so um you know all the questions are sort of social media content creator network user dynamic kind of questions they're not um what do you have to pay whereas the questions for Netflix are what do you have to pay a showrunner now that there are no residuals Right, it's a TV question. That's not a tech question. Whereas everything we've been talking about in the context of, of of TikTok, these are tech questions. These are not TV questions. They're all social network questions or video questions, but they're not tech questions. They're, sorry, they're not TV questions. Um, you know, is TikTok, I mean, and I, I, I think it is kind of useful to say, well, what graph are we talking about here? Is this about your friend is always about something else? And is, is YouTube a social network? Well, Yes, but it's not the same social net. It's not the same as Facebook. It's not, you know, arguing about, well, how do you define a social network is kind of pointless. The important point is, whatever it is, it it does some of the same things as Instagram, Mm. but it's also very different from Instagram in very important ways. Not just because it's video, but the nature of the network. And the same thing, TikTok. Is TikTok TikTok more like Instagram or more like um, uh, YouTube? Yes. Yes. It's it's doing some aspects of both of those things. But you kind of have to understand it's not just Instagram with video. It's something else. It's also not just YouTube but portrait mode. It's something else. Don't try and And shoehorn it it
0: into an an archaic old definition. And it's more
1: useful to say, well, those definitions are sort of breaking down. And let's talk about how it has aspects of each one of those, rather than trying to get into an argument about, like, is this a tech company or not, which is like the most pointless argument imaginable
0: um i can't remember the the name of the this youtuber but your yes answers is very funny because he was saying people ask me if i need to do a six second video on youtube if i need to do a four minute video an eight minute video you know 45 minute video and he's like my answer is always yes yes to yes put videos out on youtube who gives a shit of the length right now just yes yes to the six second yes to the well the thing
1: that i um the thing to kind of wrap up the kind of best comment I've seen on this is yesterday someone posted an image a screen, oh yeah I'm a Mr. Beast thumbnail which is Mr. Beast standing on a pile of money and the caption is um, I decided to buy 2,000 regional banks <laughs> like only one I've man can save us I've seen a few of
0: those yeah I've seen a few of those which um, is so yes Mr. Beast is going to save us
1: Mr. Beast saves the American banking system yes
0: <laughs> great thumbnail um, that feels like a great place to wrap up
1: okay good talk chat talk to
0: you soon Good to chat.